0: Welcome to My Comic Shop Book Club, a subseries of My Comic Shop History. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This is part two of our two-part Superman event, and this episode we are turning our attention to the just completed Man of Steel miniseries by newly minted DC Comics writer Brian Michael Bendis. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show once more Thirteenth Dimensions, Dan Greenfield. Hey Anthony. Thank you for coming back, round oh, sure. two. Absolutely. I had such a great time. Recording it was that a last really, one.
1: really good time. I hope uh, the listeners liked it as much as we uh, we like talking about it because it was really good. There was a lot that we covered in there, and, and obviously there's there's not quite as much that we're going to cover here because it's only one story as opposed to five, but uh, uh, there, there's definitely a lot to talk about here.
0: Yeah. You know, again, we started with the Batman book club with 10 trades, then right. Superman Origins, five <laughs> trades, and now we're down to six issues. <laughs>
1: right. Right. A little bit more if you include the DC Nation and Action Comics 1000 stories. But yes. yeah, it's it's a much more manageable uh, uh, thing to tackle here.
0: So the funny, you know, well, you know, we have a lot to dive into, but the funny thing is when I originally conceived of this two-parter, it, it was going to be Superman Origins Part 1 and Part 2 because I... I guess I just assumed that Bendis was going to be doing another telling of the origin, given the name of it, Man of Steel, which of course references uh, what, what Byrne did in his own Man of Steel miniseries, and a number of the covers depict key moments in Superman's history. The, I mean, what was your initial Well, that, that was everybody.
1: I think I, th- I can't say everybody, maybe, uh, you know. That was a, a big reaction, was, was Bendis was taking over and that they were doing a six-issue miniseries called The Man of Steel. And I believe it was right at the same time they showed the pencils, I think it was, of the six interlocking covers, which showed Superman's history. So a lot of people, I think, inferred that, yes, this was going to be another retelling of the origin, and this was going to be Bendis's take on it, and then he was going to take over the books, and basically it was 1986, 1987, all over again. And it was after that, I think, that DC was, was clearer about. Um, the fact, no, 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 this is not a, this is not a revamp. This is not a reboot. This is his take on it. And yes, he's going to deal with certain issues regarding Superman's origin, but it's not really a do over. And I don't, I think that message got lost in translation because I know, you know, we ended up doing this two part podcast <laughs> basically with the same idea right. that it was going to be talking about origin stories. And I, at 13th Dimension, I wrote about it too. I think the headline was, you know, burn to, uh, not burn, listen to me, uh, Bendis to revamp Superman. Because when the announcement came out, that's, that certainly was what felt like the message. So I don't know if that was the intention. I don't know if people jumped the gun. I don't know if I jumped the gun. Um, but I certainly wasn't alone in that. And ultimately, when you, when you pick up the story, it is not at all an origin story. But it does deal with Superman's origin, Supergirl's 2. Um, and it, 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 it really is just Bendis saying, this is the story I'm telling. These are the things, you know, It's a a lot of this is his version of world building, introducing some new characters, introducing some new elements to Superman's background and Supergirl's background. But it is not by any stretch a, you know, beginning to end, here is Krypton, Krypton explodes, then he comes to Smallville and all that stuff. Although there are some... There are some, uh, right off the bat in the very first opening scene of Man of Steel number one, there are some callbacks to the whole idea of Superman's origin. So he's definitely playing there, but he's not making this an origin story.
0: Well said. And, you know, even though this ended up not being, you know, origins part one and origins part two, I think these episodes will be a nice compliment to each other given the work that he does do with the origin. So it it ended up working out nicely. And,
1: And actually the issue of, as I was reading about, not just origins, but. The whole idea of what is in canon and what is not in canon at a given time. And there are a couple of things that, that popped out of me as I read this that we'll get to that that, where that really kind of came to the surface.
0: So before we, we fully get into this, a quick announcement. You know, I had, I've been having so much fun talking about Superman on these episodes. I've decided to do something. So... Last episode, I announced the launch of the My Comic Shop History Patreon. And first and foremost, I want to thank everyone who has already signed up uh, and and become members of this community. I really appreciate it. Quick recap, uh, with Patreon, users pledge a low-level monthly amount, $1, $3, $5. And in exchange, that helps me create the show. Uh, And in exchange, you get uh, exclusive Bonus My Comic Shop History content. Uh, so it's My Comic Shop History Patreon. Again, thank you to everyone who's already done that. A shout out to our VIPs who are entitled to, to an on-air mention. Ben Mitchell, Henry Wagner, Cornell Contreras, Hugh Carroll, Michael Kaplan, a.k.a. Metalhead, one of the former owners of Alternate Realities, <laughs> and... Steve Rogers, not that Steve Rogers. But How do you know? I, uh, <laughs> I have met him in person. Uh, but those are our VIP uh, patrons, so I want to thank them uh, with this on-air shout-out. But So I had this idea, because I want to continue building this Patreon. I want to get more people on there, and I want to keep talking about Superman, because I'm just having too good a time to stop. Yeah. So here's the deal. Right now, we're at a, as, as of this recording, we're at uh, $56 a month, which is awesome, and it's a fantastic start. If we hit $100 a month, by August 1st, I'm going to launch, which seems doable, I think it's doable. I know the numbers of how many people are listening to these episodes, I feel like it's doable. (laughs) If we hit $100 per month uh, by August 1st, I'm going to launch My Super Fan History, Ah. a four to six episode Superman podcast event. That's great. And it'll be a Patreon exclusive, it'll be available to patrons at any level, so a dollar and up, you get it. So that's the deal, if you want this to happen, you pledge, we hit the number, and as a as a patron, you get it. That's the deal. And I was thinking about you know how I want to organize these episodes, so I thought about Superman across media and some of the different things we can do. So here's what I came up with: We'll do a movie club episode. Taking on, you're gonna you're gonna like this one. I know you're gonna <laughs> like this one. <laughs> Superman the movie extended cut. Ah, uh, ah, uh, which I haven't, uh, I haven't watched yet. Ah, uh, I haven't watched it. I have it. I have uh, it on Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it yet. You didn't you didn't watch it at the Alamo? No. Oh, and I, they had at the Alamo like a month a month no, ago. So. No, oh, I know. Last time we talked about seeing the regular right. cut, but right, I didn't, right, right, I didn't yeah, make yeah. it to that one. Yeah. So that's going to be one. Going to do a Death of Superman episode covering both the comic as well as the direct to Blu-ray <laughs> or digital right. uh, animated movie that's coming out at the end right. of, of July. Right. And so, don't forget there was an earlier version of that with the uh, an animated version of that. that too. Try to forget that one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Okay, another book club episode and i'm not a hundred percent settled on this But my gut is to do whatever happened to the man of tomorrow Because it's one of my favorites and it's a classic. So I think that'd be worth doing At least one episode Probably more on smallville Oh, about
1: time because
0: it's about time. I mean i've been doing this long (laughs) enough You know, it it really needs to happen and then the other episode I'm, i'm likely to do is a is a collector's club episode So talking about superman memorabilia and merchandise over the years. So I can talk about Migos. Yes. <laughs> so that's what I'm planning to do. I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to do that. So if, if, as I laid that out, if you were like, that's cool, I'd really like to hear that, then uh, please head on over to the My Comic Shop History Patreon. Again, 100 bucks by August 1st, and this is happening. My super fan history. That sounds great. And, you know, in success, I would love to be able to do something like this with other characters. My bat fan history. I'm just saying. Just saying, just putting it out just there. Saying. But I love the idea of, of of examining these characters as they've been depicted across media. I think that'd be really cool. So, all right, sign up, please. <laughs> and thank you to everyone who has. All right, let's get into this. So before we, we really unpack everything, I mean, just a hot take. I mean, did you enjoy this? Yeah, I did. I liked it. Um, there, you know, it, it's interesting. I'm not. I'm not a huge Marvel guy.
1: Never have been. I read it on and off, depending on the characters. I've never really followed creators, so I have some, um, you know, exposure to Bendis, but I'm not what you would call a diehard. You know, I'm not the kind of person who's read everything he's ever done or anything like that, but I know his basic, you know, the basic way he approaches the story. Um, I thought it was very, very good. Um, I thought that there were parts of it. I definitely would have changed, but they're mostly minor points, but it is a very well told, straightforward Superman story, which I thought was kind of interesting because in a way, when I look at it in the end and maybe we'll save this toward the end He was a little bit damned if he did and damned if he didn't in the way that he approached this story. I think Um, what did you think?
0: I I enjoyed it overall. I thought that uh, He has a good handle on the characterization of superman and that's one of the most important things if not the most important So, uh, I was very happy with that.
1: He wrote a superman. I want to continue to read.
0: Yeah Yeah, uh story-wise there were a couple of things I, I had some issues with and, and we'll talk about. But, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Again, I I, I really do think he has a good handle on the character. Um, as far as Bendis himself, you know, I, there was a period from, you know, in the early 2000s, like 2000 to 2005 or so. And we talked about this in the last episode when we were talking about Jeff Johns yeah. and all the stuff he was doing around that time. Right. Well, over at Marvel, you had Bendis on Alias and Daredevil and Ultimate Spider-Man. Powers was, was still in the early days then those are some of my favorite runs. So there was a period of time where it was like Jeff Johns and Bendis. Like yeah, I was I mean, such they, yeah, a fan yeah, of, exactly. of both of them. When I was
1: getting back into comics, that's where it stood.
0: And and then over the years, I kind of, uh, I kind of stopped following Bendis. It wasn't that I was even necessarily turned off, but uh, when he took over Avengers, it just, I don't know, it just wasn't something I was especially interested in and uh, didn't really keep up with him after that. But I know he... Garners a lot of strong reactions like yeah. positive and negative because mm-hmm. I know there were fans when it was announced that he was taking over Superman that you know They were afraid he was gonna ruin Superman. Oh, yeah and, when I, Yeah when I,
1: when I posted stories at 13th dimension the reaction that I got was I was actually kind of surprised at some of the The anger and I was like what you know relax but, yeah. yeah,
0: and like you said a lot of world building I mean this yeah. you know as a complete story unto itself I don't know that it's totally satisfying but it's something that sets up you know, what's to come over these, over Superman in action, you know. Well, it doesn't really
1: end. Of. I right. mean, it kind of, it does, In the, it ends for a, for a trade paperback, but it really is a gigantic first chapter in, yeah. in him saying, okay, these are all of the things that we're going to be doing in action in Superman and also in Supergirl when it returns. Yep. And I'm not sure, I know that Super Sons is going to enter into it, but I'm not sure how that's going to relate to where things are with John and Lois in this particular you know
0: in this particular scenario as we talked about off mic normally when we do these book clubs we go story first I think right. let's if for, for sake of fairness, I like, want to talk about the art first
1: Yeah, I mean we we uh, and, and the artists are, are as much the stars of these books I mean you have an, an enormous I mean this is an a-list crew um, you have you have in the first issue you've got the pencilers um is uh, Ivan and I'm never really sure how it's pronounced. Is it Reyes or if, if it's Reese? I always, I, apologize. Went, I always went rice. So we okay, got rice, so I apologize, but he's in. And how many first issues has he done for DC? But you also have Doc Shaner, Steve Rude, for crying out loud, in, in the second issue. Uh, the the colors were done by uh, Alex Sinclair throughout, uh, Ryan Souk, uh, He Kevin, was my favorite, actually. Yeah, well, he's great. And um, Kevin McGuire, Adam Hughes. Uh, and I guess, and throughout all of them, I think he had a guest appearance, at least in all the issues, was Jason, is it Fabok, is that how it's pronounced? Oh, your guess is as good as yeah. mine. Um, and he did the 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 final issue, plus you also had, of course, the, you know, the. Uh, the action comics issue which was who did the art jim lee? lee jim lee right <laughs> how could i forget <laughs> and then, then in dc nation it was refreshment oh it's jose luis garcia lopez uh of course you know another comic book legend so you know the the best of the best have been have been on top of uh, on top of superman yeah, it, was really a of yeah, it was really a murderer's row of artists on this um, and, and I think they did a pretty good job also of meshing the kinds of story beats that they had with the artists who were involved. Um, and I do remember seeing something where Bendis was saying that he did want to, you know, he did talk to the artists before and asked him if there was anything that they really
0: wanted to draw or he wanted to kind of play to their strengths. So. Some of that plays into it as well. I feel like I would do that if I were a comic writer, because it's like you want the artist to be having fun and be engaged with the material, absolutely. you know?
1: Yeah, and, and you get the sense that Doc Shaner is just, it was just absolutely giddy to be included because his, his Superman, I mean, frankly, I would love it if he were the regular super. I mean, all these guys were great. It really was a, a really good-looking series. But Shainer is someone I would love to see on Superman for an ongoing, you know, for a regular basis. I think he would be perfect. Yeah, I mean, no here dis- Chris Somni I think wouldn't be another. Yeah, one oh my goodness, just dynamite!
0: I mean, no disrespect to the other artists uh, yeah, in that issue, all. but uh, I, I do wish uh, Shainer had finished the entire yeah, thing. Right. Um, I, I, so I enjoyed each artist individually. Overall, I would have preferred if we had one artist for the miniseries. But I understand, you know, to get it out on a weekly basis, this is yeah, another you know, way to make it And it also happen. helped
1: to make it a big deal. You know, it was already a yep. big deal. It helps to make it an even bigger deal when you have these incredible, you know, not just one incredible artist paired with, but a, a group of artists. So I thought
0: it worked out really well. It's funny to hear Bendis talk about, you know taking on this assignment and, and it seems like things were so many things were offered to him the way the way he's <laughs> he's related this yeah. like do you want Jim Lee do you want the underwear like right, yeah. all this stuff I, funny enough I was at Acme Comics in North Carolina the night that Action Comics 1000 came out right. I was filming there for the new documentary and the manager of that store Lord Retail hi Jermaine uh, has a great relationship with Bendis uh, Lord Retail used to uh, post on Bendis's now defunct message board, mm. Jinx World, and, and so they go way back. And Jermaine arranged for Bendis to call in to the store, nice. And Jermaine put him on speakerphone, and uh, all the customers got to ask him questions and That's things great. like that. Like it was cool. There wasn't really anything that was that he revealed that hasn't been revealed in interviews and such. Right. But it was still, it was, uh, it was a cool moment. That's great. Yeah. So. As we always do with these episodes, you know, we don't go issue by issue or trade by trade it's too pedestrian for yeah. us We like to <laughs> To attack this thematically.
1: <laughs> I think that would be tedious to do it that way I'd much rather jump around. I think there's a lot more, you know, and plus the stream of consciousness I like that aspect of it too. Because I agree. it helps you think of things
0: I feel As like you know, it served us well in the past one definitely. So so we'll stick yeah. with that. I mean, I feel like we got to go with the with the biggest thing first mm-hmm. Which is rogels this mm-hmm. new villain that's introduced yep. and this new twist On Superman's origin, that Krypton did not die of natural causes. It wasn't an unstable core or dying sun or or any of those things. Maybe. Maybe. Yes, that's true. We don't have definitive answers. No, No, we don't. But this idea is introduced. Rogelzar claims credit for the destruction of Krypton. And again, this is a perfect, a perfect follow-up to everything that we talked about last time. I mean, what, what is your take on this potential revelation? Well, the revelation that might, may or may not be true. Right.
1: Um, I mean, I think it's, it's as it stands now, it is definitely open-ended the sixth issue, um, the fifth and sixth issues, which, where they showed him with an actual machine in the earth's core that would certainly lead you to believe that he used this thing before. and, And it gives credence to the fact that yes, he did indeed, you know, destroy Krypton, um, I it's the kind of thing that I am. I'm not going to say ambivalent about because I'm not, but whether or not I buy into the fact that they're actually going to leave that a hard and fast thing or whether they're going to leave some wiggle room there. I think that that's entirely possible. Um, and I think that would actually be pretty smart. Uh, no, I don't like the idea of it. I don't, I really think that when you, when you mess with the basis, the very basis of a character, and it's sort of the same thing that I've seen in Batman where they, Sometimes and this goes back to the '40s too. I mean, they started. It, they didn't take long before they started messing around with the Joe Chill aspect of mm-hmm. the. You know, first off, giving him a name, the the gunman, but whether or not it was part of a conspiracy, whether or not it was someone hired him, whether it was, and so on and so forth. And this kind of feels that way. I, I still go back to the, you know, that Grant Morrison you know, dying planet, you know, scientists, you know, kindly couple and all of that, which is the basis of it. I, I, I prefer that. Yes, it was natural, whether it was because of the sun or because of some internal pressure or because they strip mine, the planet to its spare essentials. And then it finally caved in on itself, whatever it is. I, I, I prefer that it's a natural disaster. Um, part of the reason is because, and I saw someone put, put this on Twitter. Oh great. Now Superman is yet another revenge story. And I, I kind of cocked my head to that. I'm like, well, let's let's not get it carried away here. That's not really what this is. It's just trying to give a twist because there's not much left that you really can do to have a lasting impact on Superman, unless you kind of take something out of his, his core story and put your own spin on it. So I don't blame Bendis for doing it. I don't love it, but it's the kind of thing that when it plays itself out, I don't think it's something that I'm going to have to, it's like the make your own can, you know, the make your own continuity thing it's not something I figure I'll carry with me if I don't like the end result of the story.
0: Yeah, well, actually, just a quick tangent, because you mentioned Batman, and I, I wanted to ask you, what is your preferred version of the origin? Is it Joe Chill or the nameless uh, face, Oh, no, no nameless Joe criminal, Chill, because because
1: that's what I grew up with. Um, okay. And even if the fact that he was a hired gunman because there was a story, you know, there was a version of that story where, where he had been hired because of some kind of revenge plot against Bruce's father, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that it was, you know, he just did it on his own and he was a scared crook. None of that stuff bothers me. The idea that maybe the Court of Owls was involved right. or some of the other stuff. And I love the Court of Owls story. I thought that was great. But a lot of that stuff is unnecessary to me. It's still the, the bottom line is, in in my mind, I think of it as Jocho killed his parents.
0: Maybe he was hired. Maybe he wasn't. To me, that's not even that important. Yeah. As far as, you know, R- are and and that revelation... You know, I really try not to be like too precious with any of this stuff, mm-hmm. like really. And, you know, I'm not losing sleep over this, but it it's not my favorite. And I was really trying to think about why. And I actually had a text exchange with Lord Retail because uh, he was like, you know, like really what difference does it make in the end? If, right. if you know, right. jor is warning against the destruction, whether it's natural or someone's behind it, right. it's like, what difference does it make? Right. And that really made, I'm, I'm glad he sent me that because I was like, yeah, what difference does it make? And I, I think I came up with maybe a couple of things. One, going back to what you were saying, and again, we spent two hours talking about Superman's origin yes. and how even yeah. though certain things get get a different spin here and there, that it still follows that same path. And, and I think the origin has been the way it's been for so long for a reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it needs it needs this twist. I don't. I really don't think that Superman needs um, this unnecessary element of like further tragedy. Yes. It's enough that his planet died right and I am having a hard time like fully articulating this because I don't I I need to flesh it out a little bit more but there just seems to be it feels more mythic to me if the planet just explodes as opposed to Someone was in the core with with this device.
1: I agree and you put it perfectly actually Don't worry about articulating it because you just did (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's one of those basic things He came from a dying planet and his father couldn't save the planet and he sends him off I mean, this isn't the first time they've gone down this road. Superman, the animated series. Remember they, they, there was a radical departure there by having Brainiac be, you know, the, you know, having, if not the cause of the destruction, but certainly allowed it to happen. And and I, I like that in, in that particular version of the story. I was cool with that. I was like, all right, well, that's interesting. That's new and different. So it's not like we haven't, you know, it's not exactly the same, but it's not like we haven't been down here before. Um, but I just don't think it's necessary, but It wasn't something that turned me off or I thought to myself, oh, this is terrible or anything. No, I'll keep reading. Right. You know, and and ultimately, will I, like I said, will I keep it in my mind? I don't know. Let's see what, let's see where the story takes us because really this has just been an introduction. We really didn't get any answers. We only have the implications.
0: Yeah, it's true. And again, yeah, this might uh, all turn out to be a a bluff um, or even if it does stick for a time, you know, when the next writer comes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. uh, You know, we might get a return to, to the more classic version. Uh, and again, there's a lot about Rogel's are that we don't know. I mean, we do get a number of flashbacks Yeah, um, and and an interesting commentary on Krypton and Krypton's place in the galaxy mm-hmm. and it's Perhaps predatory trade policies toward other planets. Well,
1: th- this is where people <laughs> some people I can't say all people Obviously, but some people do get annoyed with Bendis because he injects politics into what he's doing and there's no question that that's what he's doing mm-hmm. there. the idea of this, you know this this you know, civilized country, basically strip mining, lesser civilizations or less advanced civilizations for its own gain. I mean, this is, I mean, he's, th- th- that's a criticism of America's foreign policy is what that is. Yeah. Um, let's not kid ourselves, but from a, from an in story, uh, uh, idea, I, I actually thought it was great the way man of steel number one opens with and this to me was just flipping the beginning of Superman, the movie on its head. Sure. Where instead of him, you know, Marlon Brando, this is no fantasy and he wants to exile the, you know, he's, he's appearing before these ethereal, uh, uh, elders. And it turns out they're all from different races and from different planets. And, you know, you've got a guardian in there and you've got others in there as well who are familiar to DC fans. I won't go through, through them all. Uh, Sardeth actually, uh, Adam Strange's father-in-law is in there and he's basically instead of pleading for, Saving Krypton, he's pleading for its destruction. So that's an interesting element. This idea that there is this kind of this uh, intergalactic council of elders that kind of has an influence. I actually thought that was really really intriguing because you always think of the Guardians as having that role, and here the Guardians are only one, you know, part of this, you know, larger. Right. Right. right.
0: So I like that a lot. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, and yes, a nice flip on on uh, you know what we typically see at the beginning of, of one of these stories. Um, so as far as what Rogel's art does in the story, uh, one of his most uh, striking and heinous acts is the destruction of Candor. Yes, which I have to say, I mean, I really, you really did feel the emotion in those panels uh, when when uh, Clark and then later Kara. Um, side note, Kara or Kara in your head? I always go Kara. Kara. Yeah. It, for me, it was always Kara. Smallville went with Kara, yeah. and you know, for me, that's what I follow. And then the Supergirl TV show came along, and it was Kara, and it's it's been a little hard for me to adjust. We we
1: can we can do a whole episode on on how to pronounce Razal Ghoul. <laughs> we can do that too, because <laughs> even Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams don't agree, and oh, they right. and they were there at the beginning. <laughs> but um,
0: anyway. But yeah, oh, when they when they find yeah. uh, the you know the the, the slaughtered Kandorians. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's really something
1: that was, and and but and this is something I was alluding to when we started. I had a hard time with that, not in terms of the story or even the way it was set up. It was, I think that wasn't nearly as shocking to me as it should have been partially be, or not, not partially, but, but because DC has rebooted its universe and Superman so many times in the last 30 years that when it happened, I couldn't remember that Candor existed or not. Hmm. And the last time I remember Candor being in the comics and again, I, I, if I missed it, please someone pointed out in your show notes or or whatever. Um, last time I remembered, Candor was pre uh, pre fifty two with the whole new crypt online, yep. you know, where they raised it, and then it ended up being on another planet, and that mm-hmm. whole bit took a year for them to sort that out. And then they washed that all away with Flashpoint. But I had no recollection about whether Candor still existed didn't really care. It just was one of those things. And frankly, that's a vestige of the silver age going back to our last episode that I never much cared for anyway. Um, but putting all of that aside, even though that's about 10 pounds right there, it was handled really well and it was really horrible to think that this guy is that homicidal that he destroyed an entire city in a fit of rage. You know, just basically just destroyed the, not just what's you know the the, the various artifacts in the in the in the uh, Fortress of Solitude, but actually destroyed this bottle city, and that's that's absolutely like you said, it's it's heinous, and it does come across really really well. And plus, Superman and, and Supergirl's reaction to it, I think, was play, really well played.
0: And the opening to I think the next issue where uh, you see the perspective of the Candorians, like looking up as yes. as he's above it, that's uh, yeah, that was quite striking. Well, that
1: was artistically, and and I'm sure that this was in the script the first page of every issue, mm-hmm. it starts out with Krypton and you've got the big sphere, you know, the big, and then it goes Earth. And the first page of every issue starts with a big round image. And in that one, you get the image of Rogozar's eye looking into the bottle and seeing it from their perspective and it's horrible. Um, but it's also uh, really interesting that they the issue that they really kind of find out is kevin mcguire's issue and few artists are better at drawing expressions And this is again a case where they really did a good job of pairing the artist with the part of the story because there was a lot of The look on superman's face the look on supergirl's face as they're dealing with all of this. That's that's classic mcguire So, you know
0: good on uh, the editors there for for making that pairing. Yeah, so, you know, they Superman and Rogelzar face off a number of times mm-hmm. uh, over the course of the story. In the end, uh, Supergirl sends him to the Phantom Zone for right. the time being. Uh, of course, we know he'll be back. In fact, I think they said that, uh, er- if you're familiar with this, that Earth is going to be pulled into the Phantom Zone in an upcoming storyline. Yeah, so. Okay. So, um, cool. they'll, they'll be facing off again yes. Uh, shortly. Yes. But, uh, I mean, as far as Rogel's are generally, uh, I mean, how do you feel about him as an addition to the Superman rogues gallery? Is he a worthy addition? Impossible to tell so far. I mean, he's he's a
1: a version of Doomsday right now. Right. You know, he's basically a smarter version of Doomsday. We don't know what drives him. We don't know why he has such a hatred for Krypton. We don't know what it was that he obviously lost something. Mm-hmm. He's obviously been through hell himself just by his physicality. Um, you know, the, the scars and all of that. So we know that he has a real grievance. We don't know what that is. Um, presumably he it's because I think they, in, in passing he's, you know, it's clear that he's from one of these planets or one of these systems that was taken advantage of by the Kryptonians, but who did he lose? What did he lose? And I'm sure that we're going to get all of that. So it's really kind of hard to tell whether he's someone who is worthy Mm-hmm. Of all of this attention, um, has he, has Bendis created a, a, a villain that, that kind of rises to the level of a Brainiac or a Luthor or, or any of those characters? I, I just think it's premature to kind of make that judgment. What I saw here, I thought, was interesting enough.
0: Yeah, there's potential. I mean, I'd really be curious to to get more on, obviously, his sure. background and motivation. And then we can make a, a final determination yeah. at that point. But, um, you know, the so we talked about Rogelzar and this origin potential twist. Uh, I guess the other big piece of this is Lois and John. Yes. You know they are absent from the start of the story, and in each issue we get a, another piece of this flashback scene yep. that ultimately uh, reveals where they are. Uh, how effective did you find that storytelling device?
1: I thought it was okay, except there is one thing that's interesting. a lot of I mean it's very it's standard now in comics to use the. You know you don't see thought bubbles anymore really i mean occasionally you do but mostly it's all in text boxes and what have you i had a hard time in, in a number of cases throughout the series where i wasn't sure who was talking right because they weren't color-coded and when you're when you when you're accustomed to seeing the color-coded box you know where the conversation is coming from that makes it a lot easier in a lot of cases they had multiple boxes across pages and it was supposed to be in Clark's memory, but you weren't sure. Well, wait, is this Lois talking? Is this John talking? Is this Jor-El talking? So in terms of the, the actual technique, you know, the technical aspects of it, I think yes and no on the whole though, I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, I mean, I, I, am sure that there are people out there who don't want to buy into the idea that Jor-El is still alive. Um, I believe that he is, but I don't believe he's going to stay alive. I think that it's, it's too important in Superman's world for have to have him not be there. But I think they're kind of also buying time until, um, doomsday clock, right, you know, yeah. run, you know, who plays its part. And that's going to take what, another year and, year and a, a half life. before we're, <laughs> we're going to see what happens there. So I think that that's, that's something, but it, you know, I, I think it was perfectly fine. I did have, I did take issue a little bit on the characterization of John because, John was written a little bit snarkier and a little bit more glib than he has been to this point. He is usually and, and it's the counterpoint to Damien Damian, sure he's he's the earnest one he's the he's the he's the good kid. he's the one who you know maybe he you know acts up and sneaks out when he's not supposed to and all of that but his the way he regarded his parents and the way they the conver- particularly the conversation where they where he was deciding or they were deciding whether or not they should go and with Joel. It, it didn't ring entirely true. I did, however, like the idea of, I, I like the the tiny little sequence where he gets really upset in the last issue that he was rejected by the Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, that is such a, that's exactly how an 11 year old boy would would have reacted to that situation. He took it really, really hard. And I thought that is really great. But I thought also Clark's reaction to it was he was such a father thing to say he's, he's like, they told me to come back later. And he's like, mm, so go back later. Right. Because when you're 11, rejection is the end of the world, the end of the world. And you, cause you don't know that it's not, you don't know that there are Superman. Of course he's an adult. So he's like, yeah, you'll go back later. I know that you're going to be, you're a superhero. You'll, you'll get your chance. You know, it's, it'll be fine. And, and his, and, and I, that interplay I thought was really great, but the rest of it, not quite as much. But, that, I, you know, look, I, I'm not going to get too hung up on it. I mean, not every writer writes the same characters exactly the same way. I actually have more of an issue about how he wrote The Flash, in this series which i thought was i don't know what flashy's been paying attention right. to Caca-poo-poo? you know thats i couldn't believe it i yeah. actually i actually went back and had to reread it i'm like w- what
0: and if i'm not mistaken i think that's an instance where you just see the balloon and you don't see who it's Correct. coming from at first but then in the next Correct. panel it's and it like i i stared at that for a couple of seconds i'm like Absolutely. this cannot be it
1: took me right out of the story and i really hope he doesn't continue to do that i it, it felt to me like And look, here's the thing. Again, I'm going to go back and say, I like this book. I like this story. I like these comics. I have no issues with Bendis. On this particular point, I thought it was a fail. I was like, this is not how the Flash talks. It's not how anybody in this universe talks uh, in terms of the superheroes. Um, it felt like he was thinking of the flash from the cartoon. Justice League cartoon yep. that he was writing that, you know, younger snarky, not Barry Allen, who's earnest and very serious right. and is the one who is known for not having a sense of humor. The idea yeah. of him standing around talking kaka poo poo was that's not even how adults talk. I, I just, I was way thrown by that.
0: Yeah, that, that felt, uh, very out of place. It was, it was, and, and I was like. Uh, yeah, I was really put off by it. I mean, yeah, really, didn't feel like he was writing Barry. I mean, honestly, I, I, don't, I wouldn't even hear Wally saying that. But it's right. like no, at no, best no Wally.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know any adult who would say caca poo poo. We 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 would actually much be much more likely to what what uh, uh, Kara says when she says everything she says, and then she says, you know, fuck them. Right. You know? yeah. which which yeah. I, I was like, you know what, that's it was powerful coming from Supergirl, who still has that. You know, even though they they try to darken her over the years, you know, right now the version of Supergirl is a much sunnier, much more, you know, uh, uh, optimistic version of the character. Um, but I thought it was it was a really good counterpoint to what Clark was saying
0: or what or, or what was going on at that point. I, I thought that was I was okay with that, but kakapoo poo, come on. Agreed I mean going back to Clark and John I mean, I really think that you know, one of the main reasons if the reason the rebirth Superman books have resonated so much with people is that family dynamic absolutely 100%. and hundred percent yeah there were a number of instances where you really saw that play out the instance that you just mentioned and then when um, you know Jonathan is talking about this alternate reality future version of himself mm-hmm. and and you know Clark has that heart-to-heart with him It's like you right. can't worry about these other versions. I, it's just what's in your heart and it, what you do
1: and his explanation of the multiverse too that's not you yeah it's just like you can't be you can't concern yourself with those are just other boys they may look like you they mm. may sound like you but they're not
0: you like you are not responsible for Damien right when he <laughs> you're, says, not, you're responsible not responsible for, for
1: Damien you're not responsible I was like that's brilliant I was like that and he does have that and that was where, where Tomasi was was always really strong and he, he was strong with it in Batman and Robin and he was strong with it in the Superman books is that father and, and as the father of a son sure it I I, when 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 I see or read something in these books that ring right with me then I feel like they get it I feel like yes they understand they they Tomasi particular I know we're getting a little bit off point has a really good way of writing children and how they regard their parents and and the interplay between the parents and the children I thought was really good Bendis I'm not so sure here I thought it worked to some extent and other parts it didn't um but those parts of it that I liked I really liked and
0: I thought that that really rings right as far as this narrative device of revealing What happened to Lois and John why they're not in the you know, the present-day storyline Didn't quite work for me it, it started to feel a little tedious and yeah. I didn't think that the reveal was, was worth right. the buildup Right because once we knew it was jor and He's like I'm here for the boy, right? I mean was was it any surprise that they went off with him? I mean I, I don't know it seemed like no, what else are they going to do? Bit.
1: Yeah, they they made it I thought it was going to be much more threatening than yeah. it was. Um I you know it's it's also I'm not entirely sure why it is that Bendis wants to take them off the table where Superman is concerned mm-hmm. right now unless he is really trying to just isolate Superman. And Focus on Superman because they're also taking Supergirl out of the equation, too Yeah, because she's gonna go off and try to find the secret of Rogol's are uh, Superman remains on earth his wife and his son are off in the cosmos um, So, you know, we haven't we they've touched on some of the Daily Planet and I know the Daily Planet is gonna factor You know, you know loom large in his run Um I don't know about Jimmy specifically uh, whether you know whether that matters to readers or not anymore. I don't know um, but I'm curious as to why he's choosing to tell this story and so Yes, I thought it was drawn out over six issues, but so be it.
0: Yeah From what I've read he I mean Bendis has said in interviews like basically they'll be back a lot sooner than oh you Yeah think.
1: Yeah, I mean they're definitely gonna be whether it's Superman number one or Superman right. number six But he he clearly has a reason that he wants to do it this way.
0: Yeah so I guess we'll have to wait and see on that front as well. As far as Jor- I, I'm
1: guessing that Superboy's coming back with a new costume too. Yes. They make a big point about how he's outgrown his last one. So they're, that, right, yep. that'll be a, a, a big reveal, you know.
0: Yes. Oh, yes. And speaking of the costume, we finally got our in-story explanation for why he's back in the underwear. He gave Lois his, the, his current costume right. and he's like, I'll find something else to wear. Right. I don't want to get too off track with this, but where do you fall with the with the red trunks? Pro
1: red trunks. Pro man. red trunks. Absolutely. And Batman needs his dark <laughs> trunks back. He looks ridiculous without them. And the only time it works is if it's if it's all black, like in the in, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. in the earlier movies. Um no, man. I mean I I don't I don't get <laughs> just from a just from a design standpoint, it looks it looks off. The balance of of having the red trunks, I think it it really, really looks good. And I know that there may not be a modern um you know a, a modern reason for it like there was in 1938 and 1939 and there was a reason that they did it um, But it doesn't matter, you know think about things that you wear that they they don't have to have a reason for being there It's just it looks good and it looks good that he's got the red trunks and for batman. It looks good when he's got the dark trunks It's
0: just pro trunks hashtag pro trunks. All right. Fair enough. I, I mean not to be contrarian I don't uh, I don't really have that strong of an opinion. I guess like when they brought it back I guess you might expect, like, oh, Anthony loves Superman. He probably loves the red trunks. I don't really, I don't really care. I guess. I mean, I, I agree aesthetically, you need something to break up all the blue. But I feel like, in, I guess the new fifty-two version or or whatever, or the one right before this, you know, you had the red belt and the way it was drawn. Sometimes it was like big enough that it obviously well, wasn't as big I, as underwear. I, I would have been able to live.
1: live I, I would have been able to live with it. But having the red trunks to me just makes all the difference. Look, what they really need to fix is Hal Jordan's outfit. They yeah. need to get the green down. They, they, they uh, Now he looks like Spider Man. Where he's got the green, it ends at a
0: point. I'm like, no, no, no. Bring it all the way down where it used to be. It just looks better. Yeah. So I have to. I have to admit, I, as far as the Rebirth Superman books, I haven't read all of them. I mm-hmm. read the first chunk of Tomasi and Gleason on Superman. Right. Really, really enjoyed it. I intend to finish it. I haven't read any of the Jergen stuff. I have it, uh, and I will be getting to that shortly. So I never actually read the Oz effect and the return of uh, of Jor-El okay. and all that stuff. Did you
1: read Superman Reborn?
0: No, I haven't okay. read that either. And did, Okay. So I'm aware of like broad strokes. Sure. So like when jor shows up in this, I wasn't like, what? Like I, right. you know, I, knew, <laughs> I knew he was back. Right. But I guess I'm kind of on the fence. And I know, well, you can tell me. So has it been like 100% confirmed that it's him or it's still kind of like it might not really be him?
1: No, I think they've more or less, I, I, my recollection is, I believe it's him. Okay. Um, I mean, as much as anything in comics to be 100% Right, exactly, sure. because they can always change it. I mean, it, there's, there's still enough, but I mean, they... He believe everybody believes that right. it's him. And until someone comes along and says, no, it was never him. It was an apparition of some kind. And it was, you know, they've come up with some way to to explain it away. It, to me, it doesn't matter. It It is for all intents and purposes, Jor-El, um, I, whether or not it stays this way, whether or not he ends up dying, whether or not he ends up getting wiped away because of some reality changing wave or something like that, which this is. The, I mean, the implication is that Dr. Manhattan was the one who kind of plucked him from. The, the destruction of Krypton plopped him back in the future for reasons we don't know yet. That's sort of been okay. kind of what what's been open ended about it about why he's here. Um, the but what, what's interesting about and it's funny interesting, you interesting that you mentioned these other runs. Uh, Rebirth Superman was fantastic. I thought it was really great. Not perfect. I mean, there are definitely some you know some of the storylines that I didn't love. You know, while others that I really really did love. Sure. What was interesting about this is that is that with with Bendis is that I thought this was very good, but it was not substantially different from what we've been getting for the last two years. Um, it, and and they said that he was basically going to pick up the baton from them and he, and he really is, this is very much the tone of what Superman has been like the last couple of years. And this is where I kind of said before he was kind of damned if he did and damned if he didn't, because if he radically altered things, people were going to freak out and say, why they just got Superman right Mm -hmm. again. Why are you messing around? And then on the other side of it is he comes in and he's writing basically the next chapter of, of what these guys have been doing. So it makes you wonder, did they need to have, and and believe me, this is not, again, not a knock, but there is something that says, well, did they really need to bring Bendis in? Because what he's doing here is, is pretty straightforward stuff that really kind of fits in with what those other guys were doing and doing a really good job of it right but i think it's going to be more subtle than that i think we're going to see things as we go along i just don't you know i don't think that he's revealing everything in the first six issues um i i think that you know there's so much left to do with with where he's likely to go
0: yeah i mean yeah that's true like that's a good question if if what he was going to be doing was so in keeping with what was going on already it's like why not you know, bring back the Superman, the Man of Steel title, and have a third Superman right. book, as opposed to you know sure. the other guys, you know, uh, taking off. So I know it is interesting, but I guess we'll you know we'll see. But anyway, going back to the the Jor El of it all, as as a Smallville fan, you would mm-hmm. think I would love this. The, you know, the antagonistic relationship between Clark and right. Jor El should be right up my alley. I'm kind of on the fence about it. Uh, I again, I do plan to go back and read Oz Effect and Reborn right. and all that stuff, and, and maybe I'll have a more fully formed opinion after that. Uh, it was interesting though, with Jor-el talking to Clark about how I think the line is something like, you know, you were sent here to do something meaningful, mm-hmm. and basically saying like he hasn't done as much as he, he hasn't could fulfilled for his Earth, destiny. yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, which is interesting, and it's funny too with um, thinking back to uh, the button, the Batman Flash crossover, right. when Bruce meets the Flashpoint uh, Batman, Thomas right. Wayne. And he says, like you, like basically, like like, you don't have to do this anymore. (laughs) Like I don't want you to do this. (laughs) So uh, I don't know. Yeah, when they have these face to face (laughs) meetings with their uh, with With their their father, father. yeah, I know. It's
1: interesting because it's it's it it allows the writers to do things that are a little bit different. It allows them to flex their muscles in ways that other writers haven't. So I I I don't mind it. Um, And some of what you're getting at about him. Kind of chastising Clark for not fulfilling his destiny. A lot of that is shown in the Oz effect, Okay. where basically we find out that 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 he first of all, a lot of changes have, have come over Jor-El. It seems since he's been on Earth because he's been on Earth for a while, and we didn't know that. Um, and he basically thinks that humanity is a waste, and that the potential of of Earthlings is that the, the that the natural. The, the natural inclination is is chaos and violence, and that he he doesn't ha, he doesn't really have a good he doesn't have a good opinion of humanity, so that's kind of driving what some of this is. And I think that his I, I, I he didn't come out and say it, but I think that he probably or maybe he did in the effect I don't remember, but he doesn't here. Um, I think he thinks that his son is weak, hmm. and I think that's also why he wants. John to kind of step up and I think that's what we're gonna see is that he's gonna sow some seeds of discontent between father and son here Just just a hunch
0: I think that's a a sound prediction. So turning our attention to more earthbound matters uh, We do spend a good amount of time at the daily planet again that DC nation story office space was uh, was very daily planet focused um, and uh, you know, there are a number of daily planet scenes throughout particularly in the early issues there's um Actually, there's something in... My goodness, I forget the exact issue here. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember if it was one of the short stories or one of the the main issues here, but where... Oh, maybe it was Office Space, where Perry's talking about how I'm tired of writing about what Superman could do and engaging in this fear-mongering. It's like, let's just report what he actually does. And as I was reading that, I thought back to your comment from the last episode, uh, you know, when we were talking about the origins and how in in the more modern versions, it's like people are afraid of him at first. And it's like, well... He looks the way he looks and he's saving people. So right. it's like, is it really that realistic that they'd be so right. afraid? Exactly. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And then one of my favorite pages in this entire thing, this is in uh, Man of Steel number two, when Clark comes back to the planet uh, as Superman, he has just defeated Toy Man in Coast City and he comes back to the planet and he wants to file the story with, with Perry. You know, And Perry has this moment where he's like, you know, basically like this is already old news like everyone everyone on the planet has a, a news gathering device in their right. pocket right sure and there's this beautiful page i'm holding it up to you right now yeah, it's
1: steve Rood's art yeah
0: yeah it's fantastic and perry says we need to start digging deeper we need to show the public things things they don't know yet and we have to do it every day multiple times a day or we're going to fold and you see these images of perry from various points in his career as so he gets older mm-hmm. and more weathered and weary and um uh, I mean, I love it. You know, I, I, I've always longed for a, and I've talked about this, actually, when I had Cliff Chang on the podcast a, a while back, and we were talking about finding different angles on these characters. And I said, I've always wanted, like, the Dale, the Superman equivalent of Gotham Central, mm-hmm. oh. like a Daily Planet series. Yes. And in my head, you know, I always figured, like, focus on Lois and Clark as reporters, and when Superman appears, it's just a blur, you know? Right but i don't know now i'm thinking you know maybe a story set in the past featuring a young perry white i don't sure. know how commercial it would be no it wouldn't I, be <laughs> but that's okay <laughs> hey, you can fantasize it's your yeah, podcast that's true
1: <laughs> i mean you know i mean that's that's the beauty of it you get to think whatever you want and say whatever you want um but yeah i it, i do and and he apparently from what i've uh, from you know what you said is that he's going to be spending a lot more time with the daily planet and yep. he's going to be doing a lot of that kind of stuff um he's introducing some new characters, some new ideas, but also what, what, what Perry White is talking about is what every editor in every news organization in the country and in the world is talking about every single day. That much is, is true. It's, 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 you have to give the public what they're not getting or what what they don't realize is important. Otherwise it all just falls apart. And, and, and so that's, you know, that's a very realistic approach. I, I don't think he, as someone who's in the business has a hundred percent handle on how newsrooms operate, <laughs> but then you know, like as say, they say, doctors should never watch uh, medical dramas. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do like the fact that they're going to continue to to push the the uh, Daily Planet as as part of the uh, narrative. I well, what felt the most off key to you? I don't know, off the top of my head, I couldn't I couldn't remember. It was it was early on. I think the idea that a reporter, it was it was the the new uh, uh, gossip reporter. Trying Trish Q. is that yeah well, I don't even remember her name, but the 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 idea that she wanted to do a story on Clark Kent and Lois Lane's breakup, which is not even close to reality. Right. First off, you don't report on your colleagues. It's just <laughs> no, uh, and also nobody would care. Nobody would care. All I right. mean, it's it just the rest of the world. The, nobody would care. Um, I mean, I guess maybe the idea is that Lois is kind of sort of a celebrity journalist, but I don't get the sense that Clark is. And I I just, I know that this is something that they're going to throw in as a monkey wrench, but it's annoying me already.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, But again, I do like that we're, you know, we're spending time at the Daily Planet and again, we're getting some new supporting characters. There's that Robinson Good who, you know, mm-hmm. from the, the short story in DC Nation, we know there's something up with her right. to be revealed. Right. And of course, Perry's getting some play. Jimmy, a little bit, hopefully more as time goes by. I can't say like I'm a huge Jimmy Olsen fan, but it'd be nice for him to have something to do. Uh,
1: yeah, I agree. I've never been a big Jimmy Olsen fan, except, you know, if they do get a chance to turn him into a giant turtle man, <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I like you know I, I like the idea of a strong supporting cast, yeah. though you know there is some danger in that. I remember you know I read the Superman titles all throughout the '90s, the Triangle era, and there came to be a point where you know the supporting cast was getting as much as if not more play than, right. than Clark himself. So you know he's starting to get overshadowed in his own title. So I think there's always a little bit of, of risk there. But mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm all for you know the the classic supporting characters as well as introducing new ones. So sure. uh, yeah, I like the. You know, I like the the Daily Planet aspect. I like Clark the reporter. Like, I want to see more of
1: that. Well, apparently we are. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's going to be part of this is the idea, and and he chooses to be the reason that that that. And I, we addressed this last time. The reason why they had Clark Kent be a reporter in 1938 made a lot more sense then than it does now, because with the with with media being saturated and the fact that yeah everybody's got a phone that's got. If Clark Kent could be as we had him in a, in a previous incarnation, he could be a firefighter, right? Yeah, you know, just as easily. He doesn't have to be a journalist. He could be anything. In fact, the less likely he's working in a new, you know, the, the less he works in a newsroom, actually, the better for him to be able to duck in and out because it's impossible for reporters to hide from their editors. <laughs> reporters may think they can hide from their editors, but they really can't.
0: There was that moment where uh, Perry was, you know, he was yelling about something, and he said something about it, as as good as like no one writes as good as Lois, as right. good or as well. Which right. is it? <laughs> it's like shouldn't you know? Right. <laughs> you know what? No. No, no, the answer is no, no. <laughs> You'd think, but no. But uh, well, speaking of supporting characters, and yeah. you mentioned him being a firefighter. Right. There's also the subplot yes. of these arsons. What a segue! Yes. didn't even plan it that way. <laughs> it worked out beautifully. So, and again, the introduction of another supporting character, yes. the new deputy fire chief, yes. Melody Moore. Yes. Uh, very
1: fetching. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which made me wonder, I thought in the first issue, I don't know if I was the only one who picked up. I thought they were flirting in the first issue.
0: There was a little bit of that vibe. It I don't seemed think like that's I just you. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: And less so as the story went on, but I thought to myself, are they actually going to have not a love triangle, but with, with Lois out of the picture, Right. I thought to myself, is there going to be kind of a weird... Are they going to go there? I, I don't think that they are, but it made me wonder. I was like, well, that's something that you don't, that, that would be a hell of a story. And she's a redhead, just <laughs> like Lana. <laughs> right. But I mean, I mean, if they want to get attention, I mean, to have Superman have an affair. Yeah. These the faces you're making right now. I mean, it, it, it certainly would get headlines.
0: You know what? Oh, headlines. We'll talk about that yeah, in the well, after uh, show. Yes, exactly. But, but it would. It yeah. Would. You know what I I could see them I could see them playing with it yeah. and like having her kiss him right. and that's the cover right. but I don't see him participating. Right. I
1: or having him thinking about it but like
0: I, I can't do this. Yeah. 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 Um Yeah, I don't I, I I that I would be very surprised if yeah. they went that far. But I could see, you are, know Are you a
1: Mash fan? No, I can't oh, say okay. that I am. All right. For the fans who Mash fans out there, like Superman is like the BJ Honeycut of you know, of, of the superheroes, of, 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 of any superhero who would never step out, except, of course, the one time that he does. Well,
0: anyway. Maybe I could see him either thinking or making a comment about how she reminds him of Lana, and he gets a sure. little wistful. But sure. that's about as far as yeah. I think this guy would go. Right? But what do you think he's about the, the arson uh, subplot? It's, I like. It's like very earth. It's very. Uh, I like it. Well, he's you know
1: Bendis is playing with three different worlds here. I mean, mm-hmm. he is playing with the with their the family part of things. He's playing with the actually four the the work you know the Daily Planet part of thing, the whole are thing, and now he's also setting up this other story about who's this arsonist and what this is. And of course we get the big reveal at the end is that dun, dun, dun. It might be Superman himself. Yes. Of course we will have <laughs> maybe <laughs> spoiler alert for five issues from now. It's not Superman I'll it's him, but if, right. or if it might be, he's under mind control or whatever. I mean, you know, let's not take all the joy out of it, but I mean, it's fun. It was a fun <laughs> reveal that we know is going to be resolved somehow. Um, but yeah, again, showing the, the, the other part of metropolis which, as you know, is is that's my favorite Superman, is Metropolis right. Superman, so uh, I, I'm totally down with it. I thought it was interesting, though, that they did introduce in the first issue that he he his, a couple of Batman villains show up. I yes. thought that was kind of fun. I uh, don't know what ex- exact his, his reasoning for doing that was, but it was fun other than get Firefly, I guess.
0: I, mean. I You know, I'm glad you brought that up. That was on my list of things. I loved that bit where, um, you know, Killer Moth is confronting yeah. Firefly and he's yeah. like, shh, like, you know, because yeah. he's like, where's the money? He's like, that's the kind of stuff he listens for. <laughs> like, I thought that was a great yeah. touch. Things like that, and then even when Superman's kind of hovering above the city, listening yeah. for for trouble, and he you know accidentally eavesdrops right. on the on the woman singing. Right. I feel like those were nice little touches that come from someone who hasn't written Superman, mm-hmm. but maybe has thought about like, oh, what would it be like? Like it. Right. it and I or think he's it seen worked. That, well. I mean, they've played, yeah.
1: they've done that in the movies too. Like Superman Returns played with that. Yes. And I, I you do you can tell, and it's not just Bendis. A lot of writers when they introduce things in the comics, that you could tell that this is because they loved it in the movie, right? Or they loved it on the TV show and their little little you know winks and nods to things that they really liked and and you know this was this was their experience with it so you could definitely see him watching that movie and thinking that's a really neat idea if i ever get a chance i'll introduce that and sure, you yeah
0: know, there it was this is so nitpicky but i don't i don't love the idea of superman patrolling like in this instance well his wife and kid are gone so what else is he going to do but <laughs> hang I out just, with
1: the new deputy police of uh, fire yeah
0: yes <laughs> you got to investigate those arsons <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, it could be it's getting a little hot in here You know it could what well, we talked about in the last in the last episode about the heat vision being triggered by his yes. hormones as a right, kid. Yeah, I, don't right. know, I don't know. Maybe it is. A maybe you were maybe narrow. that's right. There you go. Uh, You've solved it already Maybe but I don't I don't know and like I said, it's very nitpicky. Not a big deal I don't love the idea of him like hovering above the city listening for I just feel like he kind of always have an ear Out and then he's at the planet for a good chunk of the day when he's not off saving people I don't know. I feel like that's enough
1: never thought of it no, it never, you know, yeah, yeah. it
0: never, yeah. Like it, I said, very small thing, but sure. but I like those bits about the supervillains knowing what he listens for and I trying that to was avoid. Really it. Funny, I yeah. thought that was great. And even when he grabs them, and you know, uh, they're like, "Don't drop us!" And he's like, "Oh, i you know, Batman does You're right, that. Exactly. Or, 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 you know, You're right. and he's like, but it's funny when Batman does it. Right. Going back, <laughs> going back to the characterization, I felt like Bendis actually struck a very nice balance. You know, his his Superman was you know friendly and and confident mm-hmm. and and a little funny, but not quippy. And no. not too square either, right? I think it was a nice. No, balance. I think he's got yeah. a
1: really good handle on the character. Yeah, I, I mean that was. I, I this is Superman. This is the Superman that I appreciate. This is the Superman I want to read. This is the Superman. The the it's it, 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 for me as long as you get him right. Yeah. because I don't have the same vested interest as I do in Batman and Batman's supporting characters. I can live with slight changes in tone or tenor when it comes to pretty much all the, I mean, we talked about Lex Luthor and I have very strong feelings about how Lex Luthor should be portrayed. Um, Lois to a lesser degree, but also I have a pretty strong idea of how I want her to be portrayed. But the rest of them, you, (coughs) excuse me. You can you can mix and match and, and I'm pretty much okay with that. I don't have this idea idealized version of like parasite in my mind. Right. Parasite could be or he could be very eloquent. I, I wouldn't care. Right? Yeah. It's like does he have the powers? Yes, he's got the powers. Is he purple? Good enough for me. Um, but but it really comes down to Superman. And I think that overall, throughout all of this, there's at no point that I cock my head and say, "Well, that doesn't sound like Superman to me it's I have this this um my my internal litmus test when it comes to Superman is if I can imagine Christopher Reeve version of Superman doing any of this mm-hmm. if if if, if as, as long as I can see that in my head, I'm good, and that's what I saw here it's it definitely felt like the Superman that I like to read.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, another thing that I really liked was, you know, treating the, you know, the superheroes as a community, you know, mm-hmm. he brings in Batman to help right. with the arson investigation. Right. He has that run in with, uh, with Hal and Hal's like, Hey, like I called you, you know, to get together for dinner. I didn't right. hear back. And I don't know what your thoughts were on identity crisis the Brad Meltzer mini series. Oh. I you mean, not a fan. We could do a separate podcast. On yeah.
1: That. I, 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 Let's put it this way. I don't own it.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, I I know there were some things that were certainly controversial and maybe yeah. even problematic from a story point of view, but I did enjoy it overall. And, and what I one of the things that I liked about it was, again, this aspect of superheroes as community, that they right. know each other's identities, sure. they call each other by their first yes. names, like they get together for dinner. And for whatever reason, some of those elements in this reminded me of that. And, and I like that. And particularly with Hal, when... Superman kind of brushes him off and then he has that moment where he's where where Superman's thinking and he's like, you know, I really I can get away with things because I'm Superman and I shouldn't do that. And it's not right. right." And that just that introspection. I, I liked a lot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I also, for the most
1: part, did like his interactions with the different heroes and how he how he acted with them, particularly Batman you know, and I complained in the last episode where I did not like the, the burn version of yeah, the Superman right, right. Batman meeting. I also wondered if that wasn't part of it also. He's like, all right, well, I think it was an issue three. Well, it's issue three. We're going to bring in Batman now or, or whatever he did in the, in whatever, whenever burn brought him in. But I thought that that was kind of a sop to that. But I did like the scene where, where he's like, you know, I, I startled her because it was an accident. You did it because you're mean or you, or you did it, to, you know, just to be mean. And I thought that was kind of funny how he's like kind of knocking Batman right in front of this,
0: you know person that. They neither of them really know. Yeah. So I mean, what else? What are the other? Uh, what else haven't we touched on yet about this? Superman destroys the fortress in a in a in a fit of rage. Yeah, kind of, I guess. Um. He so. This is a, rel- a relatively new thing, the solar flare power of his. Well, that
1: was, the, yeah, and, and and John has it, and yeah, I, I yeah. He doesn't have enough powers, he's got to have this yeah, thing too. Yeah, yeah, but it's, I mean, he doesn't control it, <laughs> so I guess it's just an issue, but I don't know, I haven't really, I haven't really focused on that as far as this goes. Uh, I don't know, I think, I think we've pretty much, I think we've pretty much covered it all. I am curious as to, you know, what exactly it is that, that they're going to have, John and Lois doing I am actually really more intrigued by that than I thought that I would have uh, Would have been but I am looking forward to you know reading more of this. I liked it.
0: Yeah, no, I think overall again, I Like I wasn't blown away, but I thought it was solid and again a good a good handle on the character and and I agree I mean that's the most important thing. Uh, I'll take that over uh, a more exciting plot I guess
1: it, it did feel a little delicate to me in you know in the sense that I really did feel And again, I could be inferring this, this might not be fair at all, but I did get the feeling that, that he was taking care. And and again, I can only judge this by what I'm, by what I'm reading on the page, taking great care to work, to basically, um, color inside the lines. You know, he, he's not, I think, I think if we get any real shocking, true shocks, shocking revelations or changes or any of that. I think that'll be down the line, but this was a very safe for Rogelzar's role and potential or potential role in the destruction of Krypton. Notwithstanding, I thought that this was a very safe six issues and that's not a knock on it. It's just, it was a good Superman story. Didn't change my life. You know, <laughs> Burns Superman changed my life right. in the sense that it changed how I thought about the character and what it meant to me. And it completely altered my, you know, my, my thinking about how I, you know, about how I thought about the man of steel here. I thought, Oh, it's a good Superman story.
0: You know, in the last episode, we talked about how, you know, again, you had that defining experience reading mm-hmm. Man of, the original Man of Steel right. that summer it came out. And yes. at the time, I said, well, maybe some youngster will have a similar experience reading this this summer. I, I think
1: I, that's less likely.
0: I, actually. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's so less likely too, yeah. because
1: it's not that far different than what we've been oh, getting exactly, for the last two years.
0: Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, again, you know, a lot of setup, and I'll be curious to see where, where it goes from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, I plan to keep up with it. I know you reviewed uh, the first issue, yes. 13th Dimension. Do you plan to review the entire thing or the final issue or anything uh,
1: Well, like I'll probably do, I'll probably write something up, you know, when this goes live. Oh, nice. Just kind of a generalized, sure. you know, here's here's where things are and. Um, what the, What date is this going to go? Uh, is this July gonna, 11th, July 11th. And so that Wednesday, will be yep. Wednesday. So it gets uh, what Superman number one comes out on July 11th. I think it is. Okay. I think either July, uh, yeah. it's uh, either the action 1001 or Superman, number
0: one of them comes out. Sure. So I'll, 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 we'll tie it all together there. Cool. I will say, I think, I think my enjoyment of this suffered a little bit because I just read everything that we read for the last episode right before this. And I think when you're reading, you know, Burns, Man of Steel, and For All Seasons, and Birthright, and Secret Origin, and American Alien, and then you go to this. I mean, I mean, again, they're, they're different stories, but uh, I don't know. I just, I found there was some I think much that's, more. I think the that's others. the
1: heightened expectations. Yeah. And again, I yeah, think yeah, that this uh, is where sure. you're damned if you do, and you're damned yep. if you don't. Because, you you're, you know, Bendis is coming in with with... Let, let let's put it this way. Let's and, and this is and, and I, I respect him a lot as a writer. This is not a, you know, an either Sure, uh, let's just take Peter Tomasi just sim- simply as an example if Peter Tomasi went to Marvel uh, Or he and 50 other different writers went to Marvel from DC They're not going to be doing big two-page house ads saying, you know, mm-hmm. so-and-so is coming They're not going to do that They did that for this because they were tying it into Kirby leaving Marvel going to DC burn leaving Marvel coming to D.C., Bendis leaving Marvel. I mean, the, the they are playing with that, and they are trying to build that kind of hype and expectation by calling it the Man of Steel, by using the same exact font, um, even by having six interconnected covers that show the org. I mean, they're going right. for scope with what they're trying to sell you. But at the same time, they're also trying to say, well, we also really want to respect everything that's come the last couple of years, and we don't really want to go too far out of bounds. So, I think there is an issue, uh, pardon the pun, with reading this story in that, in that perspective, yeah. the perspective of heightened expectations. I have a feeling that, and of course it depends on what comes after, this will look better and better as time goes on. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at it with a sense of expectation that this is supposed to knock my socks off because, oh my God, it's Bendis on right. Superman. So it should blow me away. Um, it doesn't. But I don't think that's necessarily a fair way of judging the story, because the story in and of itself is perfectly fine. It's a good yeah.
0: story. No, I think that's fair enough. And uh, and kudos to them for getting them out on time. I mean, yeah. I know there was, I don't know if you follow these bleeding cool stories about uh, DC editors taking bets on like how many pages they were going to get done, or it was going to be late, all that stuff. But with the exception of the the Doc Shaner issue, I think... Uh, all the artists completed the entire issue. again, with the exception of those pages that were designed right, to be drawn. Were, yeah.
1: Um, whether they were designed or whether they figured whether that, they that was the that way to way, go yeah. or whatever. But I mean, also let's not forget that, that even, you know, I mean, Steve Rude is a backup to Shane. It, that's, that's <laughs> yep. pretty damn good. So yep. fine. And actually
0: where man. he comes in, in the story, it's pretty much like half and half. And it's, right. there's a, you know, scene change and like, right. it, it, it works. It makes yeah. sense. So, all right. I think that'll do. Is there anything else that you wanted to say?
1: No, I'm looking forward to to keeping on. I mean, it's, you know, this is Superman has been a great character to read for the last couple of years. And I'm just glad that based on what I've seen so far, that seems to be continuing.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you once again for participating in one of these uh, book club podcasts.
1: Thank you for having me. And I will come back. Listen, if you want to talk about Dr. Strange's girlfriend, Clea. You know, I'll, 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 who I know absolutely nothing about. That's actually a running gag on a
0: different podcast. Um, I'd be happy to, uh, anytime. So, no, I appreciate you having me. Oh, of course. So, you know, um, the final issue of Man of Steel was not the only big book that came out on Independence Day. No. There was also Batman 50. Oh, yeah. And a lot of controversy surrounding Batman 50, specifically. Really? Yeah. Was there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah was there believe a controversy? it or not. <laughs> I don't remember seeing anything about that. It's right up there with Superman starting those fires. Right, (laughs) right, yeah. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, so uh, there was a lot of controversy over a New York Times article that spoiled the events of Batman 50, and this came out a few days before the issue was released. So you and I are going to talk about that in the after show. Uh, So if you'd like to hear that, uh, head on over to the My Comic Shop History Patreon and sign up. Otherwise, uh, we will see you back here in two weeks. So we've done two book club episodes. Next up, I'm very excited about this. Next up uh, is the beginning of a four-part Beyond My Comic Shop miniseries called Buying Books with Ben, featuring Ben Lichtenstein of Zap Comics. For those of you who listened to the Zap episode last season... Ben uh, buys and sells collections like a nobody's business and we have four episodes coming up talking about his origin and his practices and it's really interesting
1: He he I, I've met him and and have dealt with him. He is just for the for your listeners He not only knows his stuff. He's an incredibly fair dealer He does not gouge he does not expect you to pay too much for things that aren't I mean I've bought some really good stuff from him that really fair prices. So I know that sounds like an ad, but it's not.
0: (laughs) No, it's all very, very true. Um, So I hope hope people enjoy those episodes. Be sure to tune in for Buying Books with Ben in two weeks. Thank you again, Dan. Thank you to everyone for listening. And to echo a sentiment that you just expressed a little while ago, my sign-off here, keep your expectations low, and you'll never be disappointed. (laughs)